0: Today with Catherine Ruinallah. Hope in God will not disappoint. The Bible actually tells us in First 1 Timothy 1:18: This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Say warfare? warfare. Good warfare. Having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. He's saying, I'm I'm reminding you to wage a good warfare with the promises that have been spoken over your life, with the prophetic words that you've received, with the promises of God that are in the Bible. Don't just suffer shipwreck like some have. But instead, wage a good warfare with the prophecies over your life. Wage a good warfare with the, with the Word of God. Because prophetic words and promises are not necessarily inevitabilities. They are invitations requiring our response. I remember I was traveling to America um, in just after 9-11 happened. And just a few months after that. And I remember I was transiting through um, Auckland on my way to LA and I was sitting in the, you know, the terminal waiting and I noticed just a young teenage girl, probably 18 or 19, sitting and she was, had her little Gideon Bible open and she, she looked quite stressed. And you've got to remember, it was quite a stressful time in history. So I went over to her and I said, Hey, I see you're reading a Bible. I'm a, I, I'm a Christian too. Are you okay? And she said, oh, I'm really worried. I'm a bit scared about getting on this plane. And I, I just sat next to her and I said, You know what? I can guarantee that you're going to get there safely. She said, How can you do that? I said, Well, actually, God's told me to go to America and I have promises that haven't yet been fulfilled so you've got no worries, because I'm on the same plane as you. Now you might think that's a bit odd, but you see, that's what waging warfare with your prophetic promises looks like. We have a choice to either give in to what the enemy wants to play out in our heads and interfere, or we can dive into faith by keeping hope as our true north, hallelujah, by waging war with the prophetic words spoken over us. I wanted to share with you a little bit about Joseph. I've named my son Joseph because the Lord told me to, hallelujah. He's the God of the suddenlies. And yet Joseph, when we read the story of Joseph in the Bible, we know that as a young man, he was given promises from God He was given dreams about people bowing down to him and him having great authority. And yet, soon after these dreams, his brothers talked about killing him, but instead threw him into a pit and decided to sell him into slavery. He was a slave, worked really hard, did really well in the household. Then, then the master's wife took a fancy to him, tried to seduce him, and he refused, and so instead she slandered him and had him thrown in prison, where he languished for several years. It talks a little bit about this, actually, in Psalm 105. If you've got your Bibles, verse 17 of Psalm 105. It says here, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold as a servant. His feet, they hurt with fetters. He was laid in chains of iron, and his soul entered into the iron. I'm reading from the Amplified here. Until his word came true, until the word of the Lord tried and tested him. Now, this isn't a small thing. Joseph had a promise, and yet his circumstances looked completely opposite of what had been promised to him. When we're seeing all the things that go on, we mustn't interpret the will of God through the circumstances that we see. I get people sometimes come to me, even this week I had someone saying, well, these are the circumstances. I think maybe this just must be the will of God for my life. Yet it didn't line up with the truth of the Word of God. God's Word is not dictated to or changed by the circumstances that you're experiencing right now. The, The Word, the promise that was over Joseph's life was not changed because Joseph's circumstances changed. God's Word is true and if you hold fast to it, you'll see it. God promised to all of Israel, I'm taking you into a land flowing with milk and honey. But only two people actually inherited that promise. They all got the same promise. And it was an unconditional promise. I'm bringing you in. But only two people actually got to go in. Why? Because only two had faith and patience. Only two believed the promise, had faith and pursued it and received it. The others stumbled and fell in the wilderness through unbelief. Wasn't because God was a false prophet. Wasn't that it was a wrong word. It wasn't even the devil that stopped them. But Joseph had a promise. And this promise was tried and it was tested. Emily and I were on the back deck watching the storms this afternoon and um, we we looked up this word tested, tried in the Hebrew as we looked up in the Strongs and this is what it means, tested, tried. It means to fuse like metal, that is refine, cast like a goldsmith, melt. I find that really interesting because we've just read, they hurt his feet with fetters, he was laid in chains of iron and his soul entered into the iron until the word of the Lord tried and tested him. In other words, while he was in fetters, while he was in the the prison being cruelly treated, having been terribly slandered, instead of despairing, The Word of God actually fused with his spirit. He held on to it until, like metal, they melted together and couldn't be separated. The iron entered into his soul. The iron, not of the fetters, but the iron of the promises of God, fused, melted, merged together with his soul. You know, when you have circumstances that are opposite of what you've been promised or opposite of what the Bible says, you have a choice to either throw up your hands in despair or say in your heart, like Peter did, Where else am I going to go? You alone have the words of life. Hope in you does not disappoint. I will trust in you. I will put my hope and my faith in your word. And this is what Joseph did, and and we read about Joseph in Hebrews. Hallelujah. We know the glorious story of how the word of the Lord came to pass. Similarly, with King David, David was given an amazing promise. I'm anointing you to be king over all Israel. He didn't mention all the stuff that would go on in between, but when all the stuff was going on. Psalm 27 shows us an insight into David's heart. And it says here in Psalm 27, that I would have lost heart had I not believed, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hope is our compass. Hope is the thing that keeps us moving forward. Without a vision, the people perish. But as you hold on to the hope, the promise of the word of God, come what may, I believe this is what he says and this is the truth and this is what I will hold on to, you will inherit because the Bible promises us that he who has purposed it will also do it. That his name is faithful and true. In fact, it's written on his thigh. It's his character. It's his nature. And he will not deny himself. Hallelujah. He is faithful. And though the vision tarry, uh, uh, Habakkuk chapter two, verse three, um, for the vision is yet for appointed time. It, It hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, Wait for it, for it certainly will come. It will not delay. Even if it's looking like it's taking time, God says, put your hope in me. Hope in me will not disappoint. Let those promises fuse with your heart and the harder the circumstance, the more difficult the situation. God God says, let me be your glory and the lifter of your head. I want you to look at me and I want to remind you of the truth and I'm asking you to wage a good warfare with these promises I've spoken over you. God's done what he needs to do Now, he's waiting for you to come into agreement and go to war with what he's said. We aren't allowed to play little victims. He's our great hero. He is our redeemer. But he's done what needs to be done, and now he's here to help you do what you need to do to come into agreement so that you can see his kingdom established on earth as it is in heaven. He's given you and I the keys of the kingdom, which means we have a responsibility Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 I'm preaching better than you're encouraging me, I think. It <laughs> Psalm 57, 2 says, I cry out to God most high who fulfills his purposes for me. We can make declarations and say, thank you, Lord, I know that you are faithful. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 Says this, but his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and on his law he habitually meditates by day and by night. I like that word habitually, because to wage a good warfare with the promises means to develop spiritual discipline that habitually meditates on the word of God. I find myself, I've figured out technology, that I don't have to type all my text messages. Thank you very much, Matt Wyman. I can press a little microphone thing, and I can dictate, and it types it for me. Sometimes it makes a mess, but most of the time it's pretty good. But I've noticed that as I'm dictating these text messages to send, even emails, it's awesome. So much easier than. But I've noticed that dotted through all my emails and all my texts when I'm dictating is praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I didn't realize how much I say it. I just habitually praise the Lord, hallelujah. And you know, The Bible actually tells us in Psalm 34 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. God actually wants us to develop a habit of his praise being continually in our mouth. He wants us to be habitually speaking out the promises, speaking out the Word of God. He wants us to rehearse it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to take it literally, to habitually put it in our mouth, because there is a war that goes on, and the war is designed for your heart and your mind to be distracted with the drama and the difficulties that are going on around us. God wants us to fix our thoughts on things above, things that are true and lovely and holy and of a good report. He wants us to intentionally keep our minds and eyes on Him. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep Him in perfect peace. Say perfect peace. Peace. Just making sure you're awake. Whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. If our minds can be disciplined to stay on Him, we have the opportunity to live lives of perfect peace the enemy comes and he comes with all sorts of let's think about this let's think about that but God says hey wage a good warfare and think about the promises rehearse them put them in your mouth speak them out declare them this is my purpose but the enemy would love instead for the dialogue in your head to be filled with rehearsing tragedy that hasn't yet happened and probably won't. He would love to fill your head with fear and with worry, but God wants us to be continually rehearsing the Word of God, to be dreaming about what it's going to look like. What's it going to look like? Wow, when the fireballs are going out over the crowd and the quadriplegics and jumping up and dancing. Yes, God! This is what I should be rehearsing in my head. Yet sometimes I find myself rehearsing other things. For example, Friday night, we had an awesome night in church. It was so awesome, worship was beautiful, God was so good, we had a wonderful time. And then I went home and I left my iPad at church. So I I called Emily and see if she was still here, and I, I don't know, I think she might have just left, but she said, no, I'll go get it, and she went back. And then, an hour and a half later, at 11.30, she still wasn't home. I mean, Emily's 23, but I'm still a mum, right? Oh, excuse me, sorry, Emily, you're 24 now, just turned 24. So, 11.30 at night, here comes some invitations to rehearse some negative things. I'm like, I asked her to turn around and go back. Maybe there was no one there. Maybe someone was there. Maybe someone bad was there. Maybe she's being kidnapped. Maybe so some... Anybody ever rehearsed rubbish? All right, maybe one or two. But, uh, so I'm sending a text message. Hello, Emily, ringing Emily. Emily, no, Emily, she's not answering. The voice is getting louder. Maybe, maybe something bad. Maybe she's had an accident. Maybe something terrible. Uh, and as soon as I started hearing those voices, I, I went, not going there, devil. Actually put my hand up. Not going there, devil. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You, I, you keep me in perfect peace. Thank you, Lord, great is the peace of my children. Thank you, Father, you give your angels charge over her. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, I'm going to sleep. Thank you, Jesus. And then uh, Emily sends a text and says, oh, Got invited to go out to Creole and I'm having some nice, (laughs) having a nice time. Sorry, I didn't let you know. Like, no worries, I have no worries, no worries. (laughs) I wasn't concerned, no. (laughs) But the enemy would love for us to meditate on all the problems, to rehearse the tragedies. We're going on holiday. My family and I, we're going going up to the uh, North Queensland, and I love snorkeling. But I saw a news report today of someone that got attacked by a shark. And then a few weeks ago, I saw another news report that someone got attacked by a crocodile. And, you know, suddenly I'm rehearsing, what would I do if, what would I do if, what would I do if... And then I realized, actually... This is not setting my mind on things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. I can just be really honest with you. It's a little bit like Proverbs 22 verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside, I'll be murdered in the streets. It's in the Bible. that if you look for it, there is always something to be fearful and worried about. And you can go down, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like? What's going to happen? What could happen? This could happen. Oh my goodness, if that happened, what would I do? I'll have to prepare what what might happen. And before you know it, you're in absolute, tied up in knots and anxiety. But the heart of God is to keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. How do we do that? Not only do we say, not going there, devil and recognizing that that's what he's, he's, trying to take you on a merry dance that's gonna leave you with bruised toes. Recognize what it is, that's an evil voice, that's not, that's not a pure thought, that's not the will of God for my life. No, I'm not going there, devil. But then replacing it with the word of God. What's the truth? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your promises. Thank you, Lord, I have nothing to fear. Father, and I discipline myself to intentionally put the word of God in my mouth. So my prayer life gets filled with the word of God, which is why I'm so insistent on encouraging people to memorize the Bible. Memorizing scripture, and praise God for the old scripture and song, uh, movement that was fifty started fifty years ago when I was a little child. I learned so much scripture because they put it to music. Praise the Lord. But by memorizing scripture, by I pray scripture. I personalize it. But I put it in my mouth. Tom and I have so much scripture on the inside that when we pray, it can come out. I, I'll be driving along, and I'll um I'll say, Tom, where's that scripture that says? And he'll, go, he'll give, it, give me the chapter and verse. He'll know where it is. Because he did a course when he was like 20 on scripture memorization. And when you've got scripture on the inside, the Holy Spirit can bring it back to your remembrance. And as you, you don't have to have a whole lot to start with. But if you take one word that God's spoken to you. For example, say you've read something that the Holy Spirit's quickened to you. Thank you, Lord. It's Psalm 91. Thank you, Father. With long life, you'll satisfy me and show me your salvation. When the enemy comes and he says, oh, you might die, something terrible happened, you can pull out, you can say, not going there, devil. With long life, he satisfies me and shows me salvation. I'm gonna habitually think about this, I'm gonna put it in my mouth, I'm living a long life. What's it gonna be like when I'm 97? That's gonna be cool. What's it going to be like? I'm going to have a sound mind. I'm going to have a nimble body. I'm going to be active. I'm going to play the piano. I'm going to be be more intelligent than I am now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord because my mind's getting sharper all the time. Habitually meditate on the promises of God. When the enemy comes and says, oh, there's no hope. Who are you? You dreamer thinking that you're going to lead people to Jesus, you've tried, nothing happened, it's hopeless. You know that the word of God says that that is not the truth, that it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. And he's really good at bringing people to Jesus, hallelujah. So you can say that is a lie, I'm not listening to you, what I believe is not based on my experience or my circumstances, but on the Word of God. I'm a wise woman who builds her house on the rock, not on the experiences of the past, but I, my faith is built on the rock, who is Jesus Christ. Thank God it's no longer Catherine who lives, but Christ who lives in Catherine. I reckon myself dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ as he is. So am I in this world. I have the mind of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that your grace is upon me. Lord that your word is in my mouth Father I thank you Lord that you've anointed me to evangelize you've anointed me God to preach the good news of the gospel the same promise that was on Jesus is upon me so the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach the good news of the gospel to the poor Father I thank you when the enemy says oh everything's messed up now you've done terrible it's all messed up nothing good can come now you can turn around and say, not going there, devil, and put the word of God in your mouth. Lord, you make beauty out of ashes. Father, I thank you that you said, for my former shame, pain, and disgrace, you'll give me double recompense. Well, here it is, I give you, there's a mess. He just reminded me, there's a mess. I give it to you. Thank you, Jesus. Doubled for my trouble. Thank you, Lord, you're making a miracle out of that mess. Oh, and I'm gonna think about what could it look like to have a miracle, That'll be good. That's going to be good. Hallelujah. And, and rehearse it emotionally. Let your emotions go there. Isaiah 54 Sing, O barren, you who have not yet born. He wants your emotions to go there when, it, when it's thinking about the promises. He wants you to rehearse it in expectation. You're probably quite practiced in rehearsing fear. But God actually wants us to practice habitually rehearsing expectation of what God is going to do based on the truth of his word, letting his promises meld with our hearts that they might become so solid in us that it doesn't matter what sort of storm comes. It doesn't matter what circumstance comes my way. It is irrelevant because the word of God is my true north and he who has purposed it will also do it. I declare over my own life, blessed are you who has believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things promised to me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I speak to myself and I put the word in my mouth. God is looking for you to do the same, to habitually meditate on the promises of God, to intentionally put the praises of God on your lips.